Well, good morning. How are we doing today? Are we ready? Looks like it's about 10.45, so we will get through our material here this morning in the, uh, the time that we have left. Um, my name is Joshua, and I'm one of the elders here at Review, and I have the privilege of preaching. Thank you, guys. From time to time. Uh, the past two weeks, we've been talking about our vision for Prairie View, what it is that we do here, why we're here, why this church exists, and uh, the idea being that if we can't see where we're going, if we can't see what we're doing, then we'll miss and we'll get it wrong. And this is the part where I'm supposed to take out a gun and shoot something, but I am unarmed this morning. Uh, for weeks, I've known exactly what I wanted to contribute to this series. I wanted to talk about the Sunday morning worship service. What is it that we do here on Sunday morning that has to do with the vision of the church? What are we trying to accomplish here together? Why do we meet? How do we know if we're being helpful to our purpose as a church by meeting? But as I began preparing, I hit uh, two big problems right away. First was that... I couldn't find a single main text to preach from, a text that talked about the Sunday morning worship gathering. And uh, that sort of made me uncomfortable since I'm very used to preaching through a text. And uh, that turned out to be significant that there wasn't one, and we'll talk about why later. The second problem that I hit was that I just didn't care about the work. I was just not into it. My heart wasn't there, and I'd felt like this for a few months, and I just assumed that once I got back into a preaching cycle and preparation and getting ready that uh, my interest would return and I'd get back into it, and uh, that is not the way that it worked out. And so I'm supposed to be preparing this sermon about how good and wonderful and beneficial the Sunday morning worship service is, and it's coming at a season when I am cannot ever remember being more apathetic about church and worship and preaching and small group and it was it was a real mess so when i realized this i thought oh okay great god's going to do a work in my heart and he's going to change me through this time of preparation and uh, it'll be wonderful by the time i even realized there's a problem that's fixed and uh, that was not the way it turned out 12 hours ago i'm here running through the sermon and it is the worst most boring sermon i've ever written and i've cleaned it up a little bit overnight since then but uh not this manuscript, but that, that was a different sermon, totally different. This one's great. And so uh, I've been made more aware of the gap between where I am and where I know that I should want to be, but I don't want to be, and I'm not there. And I don't know where the deficiency is in my heart that's preventing me from uh, engaging with God and getting into the material. But um, so firmly convinced and persuaded of everything that I'm going to say this morning. I believe it to be true with all my head, but I've had a heck of a time transitioning that into willingness and engagement. So this sermon this morning is as much for, uh, for me and for Aaron and for anybody else who's in shoes, and um, I hope you never come to the same place as this, but if you do, perhaps this sermon will be uh, in your mind when that, that happens. So before we uh, get into it, let me give you our main idea. If you're taking notes, uh, I have actually provided an outline this time. And our main idea this morning is that the Sunday morning worship service is a great opportunity 
for the church to participate in God's work. And if you think that doesn't line up with the blanks, you're correct. Uh, you want to fill in the blanks. It is the church on Sunday morning has a great opportunity through the worship service to participate in God's work. And hopefully it'll work better than it does as a piece of English composition because that's pretty tortured. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege that we have of gathering. And I thank you that we can do this. And that even though we may not always want to or feel like it or be interested in it, I thank you that you are here to meet with us. And that you will welcome us when we come to you. And that uh, there is uh, refreshment and uh, peace and comfort available through gathering with your people under your word. Your word will light the way. Your word, it will sustain. Your glory will outlast the sun. We will proclaim you are the one. Lord, maybe that be true of our time this morning, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Okay, for the last two weeks, we've been talking about our purpose, going and making disciples of all nations and baptizing them and teaching them. We've talked about our mission, helping our, nope, 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 that's the vision, helping our community actively pursue their walk with Christ and our mission, which we uh, say as following the way, teaching the truth and sharing the life. Okay, why is that the purpose of the church? Why is it that that is our vision and our mission? Big picture answer, God tells us in Ephesians and Romans that he is at work. He is doing something and he's doing it through us. He is displaying his wisdom and glory in Christ through the church. He's showing off his justice and wrath towards sin at the cross. And he's showing off his grace and his mercy uh, to us in forgiving us of our sins in Christ. And the amazing part is that we get to participate in his work. God does the work, but he does it through us. We get to help. It's like uh, uh, go to work with your dad kind of day at, at school. You get to go and participate, but instead of you know just getting in his way and making things more difficult for him, we actually get to help God with his work because that's how he's choosing to get the job done. So Christ came and he did the work of salvation and opened the path of reconciliation. And then when he leaves, he says, you will receive power and you will be my disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations. You will be my witnesses. So that's where we get our purpose and our vision and our mission. God's glory and wisdom are being made manifest through us. So why are we here this morning? What does this gathering have to do with the purpose and mission and vision of, of the church? What is the connection? And I'm going to uh, go through that I believe the connection is uh, the Sunday morning worship service is a great opportunity for us to participate in God's work. First, I'm going to need your assistance this week. I want to know from you guys, Good reason to church. In the original version of this manuscript, there uh, were bad reasons, and it took me and Aaron about four minutes to come up with 16 bad reasons to come to church, and it was really discouraging because, like, for every good reason, there were 10 or 12 ways for that 
good reason to be perverted and twisted and made the church to serve our needs rather than the other way around. So uh, it just, you know, trying to make God happy with us by coming or trying to make other people happy with us by coming or coming to church to pick up chicks, all sorts of terrible reasons to, to come to church. Just, it's a good place to meet a single person if you are a single person, um, but that's not why we come, right? Uh, so, so how about some good reasons to come to church? Can anybody get us started with good reasons that we would gather on a Sunday morning? To worship God. That is a good answer. We're going to be talking about that for the rest of the time. We come here to worship God and sing his praises. What else? He said so is an answer that we will deal with. And I heard to to spread the gospel. That is one thing that we do. We can share the gospel through our time on Sunday mornings. What else? Fellowship, spending time with other believers. Psalm 42 David is not able to be with God's people, and he is weeping and longing as he remembers the joy he had with God's people. And not just being with them, but sharing a life with them, sharing struggles, sharing growth. Can't do the Christian life alone. There's fellowship with God's people. I heard that from you, Tracy, I believe. Somebody else was back there. Encourage each other. How many times did we hear last year when Aaron was so sick? From somebody else, somebody would come up to her and say, it was so good to see you in worship this morning, to see you gathering with your people, with God's people, even though you're so sick. And she didn't even talk to anybody. How much more can we encourage each other, give encouragement, share comfort, strengthen each other, to give and to receive that encouragement? And the Sunday morning is a great opportunity to do that. What else? Be equipped. We can come here and learn something about God, open God's word, see who he is, what he's done in his character, and learn how to act in response, how to do things like evangelism and hospitality and how to obey and how to have a quiet time and how to worship. We can learn how to be better Christians through our time on Sunday mornings. Is there anything else that you guys have? Refocus. You get to the end of a long, unpleasant week. You're at the beginning of a long, unpleasant week. But it's very helpful to have a time in between. Sunday morning, focusing on this is our God. This is the one we've been waiting for. This is why we bother. This is a big deal. And it helps get from Friday to Monday and from Monday to Friday. Yes. I think I've got one more on my list. Does anybody else have one? Oh, two more. Pardon? Eat chili. <laughs> Believe it or not, that was on the list of wrong reasons to come to church that I cut. And if you're here to get pastries, that's bad. If you're here for bread, please take all the bread that can fit in your freezer if there's an issue of hunger in your house. But if you're just here because uh, you got the munchies, then that's no good. Okay, setting a good example for your kids. We want Bree, by the time she grows up and gets out of our house, to be able to go out into the world on her own and find a church of her own and interact with that church as an 
adult to know what it means to place yourself under God's word, under a community of elders, and to worship with a people. So we want her to know what it's like to worship. So we have her in here in the service so she can learn something about that. Uh, Also had using your gifts. Maybe you love toddlers, but you don't have any toddlers of your own. There's an opportunity for you to serve the church by playing with toddlers for the glory of God, right? Because that helps us in here have a better worship service if we know that the toddlers are well taken care of somewhere else, right? Or maybe it's not toddlers you like to play with, it's musicians that you like to play with. And you have a musical gift and you don't have any musicians at home to play with, so you can come and join the band and help lead people in, in praise of God. That is another good reason to come to church. The last one, the one that I've been feeling last few months, a good reason to come to church is because you know that it's a good idea and you will be glad that you did, even though you don't feel like it right now, that I'm not really interested, I don't want to go, I'd really rather just stay in bed or do something else, but I know I will be glad when I go, it'll be helpful, it's a good idea, I know I ought to, and so I do, and by the time I get here and get through with it, it's no longer a sense of obligation, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I came. There's a lot of good reasons to come to church on Sunday morning. But would you be surprised to hear, and I know at least some of us will be, that there is no command in Scripture to gather on a Sunday morning in a weekly basis. I was slightly startled. I just assumed that there was something about gathering someplace. And there is a lot about gathering in general, but we don't have an explicit command to gather every week, and we don't have instructions to do it on Sunday morning. The fact that we have a time period known as a week is in fact something that God just made up. Uh, The year is the amount of time it takes the earth to revolve around the sun. The month is the amount of time it takes the moon to revolve around the earth. And a day is the amount of time it takes the earth to rotate on its axis morning and night. But what is a week? Okay, I went to Purdue. I studied physics. There's nothing in nature that would give us a week. Where did the time period of a week come from? It came from God. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The Sabbath day was given to us as a gift, a day of rest, where we can rest from our labors and remember him who gave us that gift and gave us the... I'm supposed to fidget with it. Am I making a mess of things? Sorry. Okay. Sabbath is a gift from God, a day of, of uh, rest and uh, enjoying him and the good gifts that he's given us. Eventually, folks figured out that it would be a good idea. It would be helpful. It would be useful to gather together to do that. They can pray together and worship God together, sing, read from uh, the Torah together. And by the time Jesus started his ministry, that's what we see. On the Sabbath day, he would go to the synagogue, he would preach, and he would teach, and... It worked well. Same thing with Paul, that um, he would go to a new city, he'd go to the synagogue, and uh, he would preach about Jesus. New believers would get thrown out. Okay. I'll try to hold it. This will be very limiting and distracting. So, okay. Paul. Paul goes to a new city, and the... He preaches in a synagogue. People believe the word of Christ. They get thrown out of the synagogue. And they continue to meet 
weekly, but not on a Saturday, which was the day that marked God's first creation, but instead on a Sunday, a Sunday morning, marking God's new work of creation um, in the uh, resurrection of Jesus and the giving of the Holy Spirit. And ever since, we have met weekly on Sunday morning, but there's no command in Scripture to do so or about how we should organize our time of meeting together. John Piper, I read this week, calls it a startling fact that the epistles of the New Testament contain very little instruction that deals explicitly with the corporate worship, what we call worship services. Not that there were no corporate gatherings for worship, Corinthians 14, Acts 2, Hebrews 10, but this is not much. We are given principles about how to go about worshiping God, how to pray, how to sing, how to preach. Am I getting another microphone? Okay, can we make sure that all these microphones are getting onto the digital recorder? Principles. God gives us principles about how to worship, but doesn't give us any explicit instructions about how to put our worship services together. Okay, back into it. Uh, this book, this book was intended to be universally applicable across all time, all cultures, and all peoples. So, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 is universally true for everybody. Spiritual gifts are to be used for the edification and building up of God's people and to be used in love. But the specifics need to be figured out locally. We saw Hebrews 10 last year. Let us not forsake meeting together and encouraging each other and spurring each other on to good works. But the specifics of how we implement that need to be figured out locally. Uh, John 4 is a big one for worship. The Father is seeking worshipers. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Our worship has been liberated from the temple in Jerusalem, which was a very highly scripted way of doing worship, because now we have God's spirit and we can access God through Jesus and he is with us. So the specifics of how we do a worship service together are very much left up to us. We have scripture telling us how to give, how to pray, how to preach, uh, but surprisingly little on how to put that together into a worship service. The point is not the form of our worship, what it looks like, our order of worship. The point is what we are doing, worshiping God together as a church. The fact that God did not give us a divine order of worship uh, doesn't mean that Sundays aren't important. Individual growth is essential, small group life is essential, but the Sunday morning part of the church life is special and unique. Okay, we talk a lot about how the church is not just a building, the church is a people. And church isn't something we just do on Sunday, the church is something that we are all week long. And when we talk about worship, we talk about how um, we 
are all worshipers. We all worship something. There's always something that we are devoting our lives to, serving, praising, sacrificing for. And as sinners, we want to worship God's gifts rather than God himself. Kids and spouses and appetites and stuff like that. So we talk about how our whole lives should be worshiping, uh, be worshipful to God. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. But as we talk about the church not being just Sunday morning and worship not just being Sunday morning, uh, it can sometimes slight the Sunday morning worship service, which is uh, a big, a big deal. The church has a special opportunity on Sunday morning to participate in God's work. And that's why I chose this topic, because I want you to see how useful and good and helpful a Sunday morning can be so that you can look forward to it and enjoy it and get the most out of it that you can. Now, why do we call it a worship service? Prairie View has services at 10 o'clock. Are we just one more service provider where you get your internet through Comcast and you get your car serviced at Pet Boys and you get your religious stuff taken care of at Prairie View? Uh, The answer is no. The church is not a service provider. It's not Ryan or Jeff or the church that's providing the service. It is you, the member of the congregation, that is the one providing the service. And there's three aspects to the service that's being provided. There's inward and outward and upward probably heard those before, that we worship upward, directly to God. We are worshiping God. But not only that, there's an opportunity to provide a service inward to each other, inside the church. There's benefits to each other from what we do on Sunday morning. And we also have the opportunity to give service outwards to those outside of the church. Those who aren't even here can be served by the way that we worship together on Sunday morning. First and foremost, worship is a service to God. Upward in worship is the the first and highest priority of our worship and service. Like we saw in Hebrews last year, we worship God the Father. We worship him through Christ, and that worship is fueled and empowered and ignited by the Holy Spirit. Before anything else, worship is upward to God. So, what kind of service are we providing? Throughout all church history, um, The church has worshipped corporately through six elements of worship. I neglected to put this in the notes. I mean, a list with six things. How can that's just perfect for an outline? So you're going to have to squeeze it in there if you're taking notes. And you can probably figure out what they are if you gave it a couple moments thought. That when we gather together, the things that we do are praying, singing, giving offerings, reading and preaching the word, celebrating communion, and on special occasions, celebrating baptism. Those are the elements of worship. And each of those can be done individually, except baptism. You can't baptize yourself any more than you can save yourself. Uh, And although we can pray and sing and give offerings and be in the word individually, there's something even more beneficial about doing it together as a group. God wants the praise not just of his individual servants, but the praise of his people as a group. Now, We're providing this service to God, but it's not a static experience in which we are unchanged. When we enter into his presence in worship and we come to the throne room of God, we are having an encounter with God. And nobody has an encounter with God without being changed and transformed. We don't worship and go home. 
We worship God, and as we do that, he is changing us, transforming us one degree at a time into the likeness of Christ. And we can glorify him by allowing him to be changing us into uh, something that resembles Christ more and more. But we're not just serving God on Sunday mornings. Uh, We are also providing a service inward to each other. My two fondest memories of uh, corporate worship are gatherings where uh, Christians from multiple churches were gathering together for the purpose of singing and being in the word. And we, everybody knew that we were all there for that purpose. And we sang like we meant it. And we sang like we were believing what we were singing. And we sang like we wanted everybody else to believe it too. And it was, it was wonderful. It was indescribable and it was it was really really good so with that in my memory I want to challenge all of you and the guys in particular when you sing sing strong sing like you mean it sing with conviction sing like you believe what you are singing if you know the song then sing it out don't bother protesting that your voice isn't pretty because nobody cares we want to hear you sing well and sing like you believe it don't let your wife or your kids shame you into not singing oh dad gosh i hate it so much when you worship jesus it just creeps me out (laughs) shut up kid i'm worshiping god here all right and when uh you all know you've heard me sing it's not great i've been the backup worship leader for Uh, Jeff and Scott, Eric, Travis, Steve, and it takes a lot of concentration and practice for me to be adequate as a backup worship leader. When I'm sitting out there and my voice is cold, I know it's not great. And Brianna's not much better. And when Aaron is sitting there, standing there between me and Bree, starting to get fidgety, Look, woman, if it's bothering you, then maybe you should sing a little louder. Because if you were louder, we wouldn't bother you so much. (laughs) And we would not actually say that to her, but it's crossed my mind once or twice. So if if loud singing of somebody else bugs you, then, you know, drown them out. Sing, sing loud and sing proud and sing like you mean it. Because we are singing to God. We are singing things that we think are true about him. So now that you got the picture of how it works with singing, it's sort of the same way with prayer. It's good to pray individually. We can and must do that. But there's something special about approaching and entering God's presence through the voice of another, hearing somebody else's perspective on how they approach God through Christ. And it's helpful as we are all gathered as one group to be unified in mind and voice and it's, that way it's not just always your own voice rolling around in your, in your head when you're praying. You get the benefit of hearing somebody else pray. <clears throat> Likewise with giving. We could all go home and on the 1st and 15th of the month, fire up our computers, go online to our banks, and send our tithes into Prairie View along with the rest of the bills. But tithing is not just another bill. If you give online, um, great. Thank you. Continue, please. But we're still going to have a time during the worship service because our offerings are an act of worship to God. It's not a tax, it's not an obligation, not a duty, it's an offering of worship to God. 
reading and preaching the word. If we want to be disciples of Christ, following the way and teaching his truth, then we probably should know what he says in his book. Individual study is great. Study the Bible at home. Study the Bible with your kids. Even better. But for the whole church to gather and hear the preaching and proclamation of God's character and God's work and what he's done and what he is doing, that is helpful for us as a church to place ourselves under the authority of the word of God. It allows God to speak to us as a church and helps us move forward toward the completion of our mission. In Paul's final letter, 2 Timothy, in the final chapter, he devotes four or five verses to reminding Timothy of what he already knows. Preach the word. Be ready all the time. Don't screw it up. Prepare your people for what's coming. Fulfill your ministry. Do the work of a gospeler, one who preaches the gospel. Uh, your Bible probably renders it evangelist. It's one who preaches the good news, not just to those who haven't heard it, don't believe it, don't know it, need to hear it, but also to those who do believe it, because the gospel is how we grow in Christ. That's preaching. is better together. Lastly, uh, the sacraments, celebrating baptism and communion. And having a private baptism with just a few folks there, that is good and great. If that's how you were baptized, wonderful. Praise God. But if you haven't yet been baptized, then let me suggest to you that there's a wonderful opportunity for you to speak to the whole church about what God has done in your life. I was lost, but he found me. I was blind, but he made me see him. I was going this way, and it was going bad, and it was going nowhere good, but he changed my life, and he changed my direction, and now I'm being baptized to demonstrate that that old self is dead and buried, united with him in his death, and raised to newness of life. There's a wonderful opportunity to provide testimony through baptism that we do together. And praise God, the baptistry gets fixed this week when we're talking about baptism. We can do that today if you want, or we can do it next month. We're here. The water's warm. We can get that done if you want to, or talk to Ryan about doing that some other time. Same thing with communion. It is a powerful picture of the work of God at work in us. We are celebrating, like Ryan said, the communion and union that we have with God and thereby with each other. There's something special about doing that together. It's very edifying and enriching to do that with each other. <clears throat> so, worship is an upward act of service to God and an inward act of service for each other, but it can also be an outward act of service to unbelievers. The way we worship God together on Sunday mornings is a testimony to them that we consider God valuable. We get up early, we haul our kids into this building that we built with our own Resources and time and energy and efforts, all that effort that went into designing and planning and building this place. And we're telling those folks that we consider this worthwhile and valuable. We're singing the praises of somebody that they don't know, but that we think is worth knowing. First Corinthians 14 shows how this can go badly. Uh, the church there was kind of being ridiculous with their worship services. They were abusing the spiritual gifts, particularly tongues, and they were having uh, disorderly services. People were getting up and talking and interrupting each other, and it was a mess. And Paul told them, look, guys, if an unbeliever came into your gathering, they'd think you were morons. 
and that was right. And Paul said, how much better for you to use your gifts in love and have an orderly service so that when they hear the clear and correct proclamation of the gospel, they can hear and understand and be convicted of sin and glorify God and say that he is truly at work among you. The uh, church gathering here, this is a gathering of professing believers. Our intention isn't to be holding a, uh, a revival here or an evangelistic crusade, but it doesn't prevent God from using it to evangelistic effect. It's not our first line of evangelism. Okay, there is no substitute for you opening your mouth and telling your friend or neighbor about the work that God has done in your life. But by all means, invite them to church. You know, there's a uh, decreasing lack of trust in institutions and organized religion and um, Christianity, church stuff in general. People just don't trust that like they used to. But there is a pre-existing degree of trust between you and your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, your family. And when you tell them something that you find significant to you, they're already inclined to take it seriously because they know you. But by all means, feel free to invite your friends to church as well. So to bring it all together through our singing, prayer, giving, preaching, celebrating baptism and communion, we are actually doing the work of the church. We are accomplishing our mission to follow the way, teach the truth, share the life. We are achieving our vision of helping our community, our community inside and our community outside, actively pursue their walk with Christ. We are fulfilling the Great Commission to go and make disciples. And ultimately, God, through us, is being glorified through the way that we gather and worship him. Now, uh, this series is about vision, so let me try to paint you a picture as, uh, as we wrap up. An illustration that might be helpful. Imagine yourself, or myself, a few months into the future, where this sermon has passed from our memory and we're off in the summertime where it's warm and it's sunny again. <laughs> but in spite of all that, it's a Saturday evening and you think tomorrow morning is Sunday morning. You've had a horrible week. There's been bills and delays and strife and trouble. Life has gotten the better of you. And you've not always responded the way that you would have liked. You've not been in the word much, not much private communion with God during the week. And you'd really like nothing more than to go to sleep and wake up next Friday afternoon. But you know that you'll end up going to church in the morning because your spouse kind of thinks it's a big deal for the kids to be there. And if you blow off another week, you'll probably get a phone call or an email from somebody. And you haven't really thought much about God for the last few weeks. So you figure you might as well go get him off your back and you're going to suck it up and show up at church. You console yourself with the thought of choosing between a bear claw or a scone um, or both. So you come to church and you mumble your way through the songs and you get distracted during the prayer and you wonder why is it always a different clown but the same dumb communion meditation? Why does the church always want my money? What is Krav Maga and how did Jeff use it to get Dave inside that plastic box? 
who fixed all the lights in here? You go to church, but you don't worship. You honor God with your lips, but your heart is far from him. You've certainly not done a service to anybody. It's not great. It's a pretty bleak picture. Now consider sort of the best case scenario at the opposite end of the spectrum. It's Saturday night. Tomorrow's Sunday morning. You've had a horrible week. Bills, delays, strife, trouble. Life has gotten the better of you. You've not always reacted the way that you've wanted to. You feel ashamed, but you've repented and confessed your sin again. You spent some time in the Word this week, not as much as you'd like. You've had some private communion with God, not as deep as you'd wish. But you console yourself knowing that tomorrow morning you get to go and be with God's people. You'll hear them testify to the person and work of Christ through song. You'll see folks continuing to give sacrificially of their gifts and time and resources. You'll be lifted up in prayer. You'll have the privilege of seeing the strong faith of others at work. Be convicted of your sin and find forgiveness and restoration through confession and repentance. You'll be exposed to the word of God and you know that it will completely turn around your week. You'll be trained in how to think biblically about what's going on in your life, and you'll be ready to face Monday. You'll be reminded about why you're following Christ in the first place. You might even hear something you're willing to share with a coworker, or at least invite them to come back next week. You come to church, and you worship, and you're changed. It's transformational, one small step at a time into the likeness of Christ. Now, those are sort of extreme examples. Your experience each week will fall someplace in between those two, I hope. My hope this morning has been to help me and help you realize that the Sunday morning worship service is really something special. It's a great opportunity for you to be who you are in Christ and to do what we are to do for Christ. And I would hope that by God's grace, you would be growing in your appreciation and anticipation for Sunday morning. I want you to see that we can participate in God's work when we worship together. Ryan and Jeff and the ministry team leaders put a lot of effort into creating an environment where we can worship God with undistracted excellence. And they set a feast before us of worship. But whether we come in and engage with God, have an encounter with him, is to a large degree dependent on how much I'm willing to put into it, how much I'm willing to invest in the service. Uh, ultimately, I am responsible for how I respond to the work of God in my life. We have the opportunity to participate with God, get on mission with him on Sunday morning. Right? We have five core commitments here at Prairie View. Uh, evangelism, fellowship, discipleship, ministry, and those four are a means to an end. Worship. We were created to be a worshiping community of believers. We don't go and make disciples for the sake of piling up converts or becoming the next megachurch. We evangelize, we disciple, we fellowship, we minister for the sake of becoming a worshiping community. Because that's why God created us, to glorify him 
and display his character through his worshiping church. I'd like you to bow your head as we close. And I'm going to read verses from nine different psalms. It's going to take a couple of minutes. But these are the, the songs of the Old Testament that Israel sang to their God for the 1,500 years between the time that God established them as a nation and the time that Christ came. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands, I sing for joy. May this be true of us this morning, God. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering. Come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. O oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. For it is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the godly. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we can gather and praise you. I thank you that we can gather with your people. I thank you for that great privilege that is not shared by all of your people across this world. Thank you that you are our Father of lights. Thank you that you give us good gifts. Thank you that every gift we have is from you in heaven. Thank you that you delight in your children. And it is in the name of your Son, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.